Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 231 of the podcast for September 23rd, 2015. My guest today is Dr. Eric Dixon. He is the president and CEO of UMass Medical Center. Now, this episode is a little different than my past episodes. Normally, I record a podcast interview via Skype or a phone call, but today's episode is a recording of an interview that I did with Dr. Dixon live on stage at the 2015 Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit back in June. This was part of the CEO panel that I was moderating, and Dr. Dixon was one of the three CEOs who did a 10-minute one-on-one interview with me before we then had them take questions as a panel group. Now, the audio quality isn't as good as normal. I think it, it's listenable. It, it may be a little difficult at, at spots because I was recording this from a phone that I left in the audience. Um, but I've posted a transcript of the conversation, and you can read that if you go to leanblog.org slash 231 or leanblog.org slash 231. Now, in this discussion, Eric tells what I think is a very important story about why UMass Medical Center used lean and Kaizen or continuous improvement strategies as an important way of facing the challenges and the severe crisis that they faced at the time. So I think it's important to bring it to you. Eric was uh, more than supportive of me releasing this as a podcast. So here we go. So um, Eric, I've I've known you uh, since before you came into this role at, uh, at UMass. Um, can you describe you know, what the situation was when you took over? You described the organization as being at the brink, which I think is a, an unusual place to be. So, I, um, again, my journey is CEO of UMass Memorial Healthcare in February of 2013. Uh, it, was, it was not a planned succession. It was a surprise to me. It was a bigger surprise to my wife. And it was uh, a time of great turmoil for the organization. At that moment we had a minus five percent operating margin which for us is about a ten million dollar loss per month and uh, we were very close to defaulting on our publicly traded debt because of something called the debt service coverage ratio the uh, the accountants in the room will certainly understand what that means uh, Moody's got wind of this and downgraded us into junk bond status which had a kind of profound impact on our ability to uh, to borrow money for anything that we needed to do and to, um, and for a, a physician trying to learn what that all meant very quickly was, uh, was difficult. We had a horrible relationship with organized labor and it's in my third month, our, our uh, flagship hospital, the nurses effectively went on strike and had to empty out the hospital completely, um, cost us another $10 million just to bring in replacements. For that, and that was just because of years and years of a bad relationship between management and uh, and the nurses. We had major service issues. Our quality uh, scores were about average, but average quality scores in, in healthcare is pretty bad and uh, really bad. So it was. I had to admit, just despite having worked in lean and been enthusiast for years, I asked the question: Is this really the time to to roll out a lean management system? So what were your, your first steps? So you come in this role, you come in as an outsider, you're thrown in this role, in this situation, what do you do? So it, it, it's back to basics, and I think that the, 
we, we never announced that we're going to institute a lead program here. We, we started with things that were unarguable um, values, principles, how we were going to do the work. Um, for, for us, True North, and we define True North in the organization as the best place to give care, best place to get care. And intentionally for our caregivers, we put best place to give care first. And not that it was more important, but that it was sequential. That we have, it was never going to be a great place for our patients until it was a great uh, place for our caregivers. We then define the role of management as we take care of the people that take care of the patients. And that's our job. And we did some symbolic things to represent that. We took out all the reserve parking spots that people would walk by every day as they came into to work and moved into the very back of the parking lot. We thought about just taking them out completely, but it was, it was, it was more important for us to put them at the very back of the parking lot so that people, people knew they were there. And those stories start to be told around the, the organization. So we looked for ways of symbolizing this. Now, we cleared our plate in, in the exercise of deprioritization. We took that everything that people were working on and we, we built 10 A3s, the must do, can't fail projects of the year, things that we had to get done. And we brought the discipline of A3 thinking to, pro to our projects so that we didn't have these deja vu meetings where we'd come in and you'd hear about the same problem over and over again with no clear um, progress being made on it. And then perhaps most importantly, uh, we built a foundation of engaging everyone every day through our huddle system. And, and we, we made that the base of our lean program was uh, the frontline groups getting together with their manager, going over metrics primarily in and around experience of care and experience of giving care, and, and instituting the frontline staff's ideas. And we set that as a, one of our two north metrics as a number of ideas implemented. We tied every manager's compensation in part to that. What, what are those, some of those numbers around uh, the number of ideas being implemented? Uh, so we're at about 20,000 now, to two and a half years in overall. And what we, what we seek is at least one idea per person per year that is uh, transferable, that gets registered in the system and is, is spread. And, uh, so it's, it's not the total number of ideas, but we're looking for great ideas that can help the organization. Uh, across across business units, and those are the ones that we count right now, register and work to spread. We created a million dollar innovation fund. A lot of what we heard from the frontline staff is this is just this isn't really important to management. It's a show, um, and then we put a million dollars on it and said ideas from the frontline staff that come through the idea system. Here's a fund of a million dollars. If the manager tells you we can't do it because we don't have the money, all you have to do is fill out this slip and you can get the dollars to, to implement that, which really accelerated the, uh, uh, the program for us. So uh, it's, um, it's, it's a work in progress, but we're happy with the progress, but not happy with the result where we're at now. Um, I'm curious to you a little bit more. You talked about some of that, I don't know if it was internal debate with yourself or with others about was it the right time for Lane? What would what was the counter argument about why that time of crisis would maybe not be the right time for a lean management system? Well, I think that in, the, in my first lean go live and, and implementation, it, it felt a little, it was all about, you know, let's start doing lots of Kaizen events and finding efficiencies in the system. And if we had rolled out in that way, bringing a consultant to help you do lots of Kaizen events, and these focus things that you were losing jobs uh, because of it, 
the, the program would have failed. Uh, but what, what the coaching I got was, what is lead really all about? <coughs> respect for the people, continuous improvement. And, um, the, especially the respect for people part where you're going through a major transformation is it, it, at the core of it. So it was um, not that we, we don't do Kaizen events and that we haven't brought that later, but it's that you know, engaging everyone every day in continuous improvement and, and doing it in a way that shows respect for people. And I think one of the um, defining moments for, for us is we, we decided to outsource environmental engineering. Uh, that meant that 13 people were going to have to switch to work for this new company versus um, uh, working for us. And it was hard on them, and it, but it was, it was worth several million dollars to the organization. And the, this, the executive vice president and myself went down and met with those 13 people, looked them in the eyes, explained why we were doing this, and told them we were going to do everything we could to ensure that they get uh, positions into the company they wanted, gave them an additional severance. And uh, you know, it, it was, even though we had to do something that hard, it was hard, it wasn't lean-like. Um, we did it in a way that showed profound respect to the people, we, and, and they were happy with the decision, but they thanked us afterwards for coming. So even when you have to do difficult things, you constantly ask that question, are we doing this in a way that shows respect for our people? And, and that's, that's an important part of it. Um, are there some ways to think about your own style of leadership that have changed or evolved as you've learned more about lean and or now being in the CEO role? The, the, the hardest thing for me has been the upcoming emergency position. I'm used to going into chaos and quickly taking charge and making decisions and moving forward. It's, I, I feel like I'm good at it. I've spent you know, 20 plus years doing that, still doing it. And, and that's, there is a time for that. And, uh, and people want leaders to take charge when, when things are chaos. But the, the, the real key in the long term is to be able to step back and just ask questions and coach. And I, I, the analogy I give is training residents. You know, on day one, they come into the emergency department, they're fresh. I, there's a certain amount of control that I can be able to, but it's pretty limited. If there's a life-saving procedure that has to be done, I'm going to keep them very close to me and we might do that. But you watch them grow over time in this first year, if they graduate, second or third year. And at the, at the end, you've got this wonderful physician that you feel confident if they were in an emergency department and one of your kids are older than you, you'd be comfortable with them taking care of you without you there over them. And, and for me, the, the transition, uh, what I continue to work on is developing those people in the organization the way that we've developed residents for years so that it's much, much less dependent on me. And, uh, and we've, we've made progress there. I'm watching some people just solve problems in a way they never solved problems before, execute at a speed they never executed before. And it, it seems like also, if I get to the point where I'm just asking questions, and uh, I, I think that's where we're most comfortable. And that's 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 hard for for somebody that came through and and the specialty that I came through. Yeah. So you were you were at the brink. You're now somewhat back from that perilous brink. We had in our in our first year, we had uh, improvement of, of 
basically all of our quality metrics, especially our, our big patient safety oriented metrics, and uh, $110 million swing in operating performance, uh, which gave us some altitude to take time and, uh, and making some of the additional decisions. We spent a long time with the Board of Trustees focusing on True North metrics, putting the patient oriented metrics always first and the finances at the end. And, uh, and in the first year, in 14, we were, did, uh, did well in the finances, did well in the quality, and uh, the board was happy. Our challenge now is some of our quality metrics have slipped in terms of emergency department boarding, our number one patient safety issue. Finances are, are all green. Now I've, I've trained the board, I think, to focus on the quality and not on the finances, and uh, it's coming back at me in a way that it should. That, you, know, you told us this was our number one patient-oriented metric, and we're we're well off where we want it to be at this point of the year. You don't want to talk about the finances, and it's it's a wonderful transition. It would be funner to watch somebody else going through it. Than go through it. <laughs> it's, it's, and and our, all of our leaders are focused uh, on that. So it's um, so we've continued to make uh, progress, um, but it's it feels very different in terms of governance now. That, that there is, they talk about celebrating the red, it is, um, the board now knows when something's gone off. The man, every, every room it has the metric posted in there and the owner posted off for the metric. Uh, the management team now knows when something goes off immediately and, um, and there is a, a heightened sense of we, we need to be dealing with those things. So that's the, that's the celebration. Even in the past, that, uh, our safety metrics could have gone so and nobody would know, or certainly not the board uh, wouldn't know if you watched the finances. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.